0: good morning everyone good morning. who here is anticipating thanksgiving Woo-hoo. yeah i am i love thanksgiving thanksgiving is i'm thankful for thanksgiving thanksgiving is just awesome all the turkey and the the carl green fried turkey that is something to be thankful for let me tell you he, he is a master of frying the turkey it's just amazing so that's next sunday though this Sunday, we are continuing our series uh, called Anticipate. And it's a Christmas series, actually. Uh, when I was preparing and just kind of rereading the Christmas story, uh, it became very evident to me that people were really anticipating the birth of this, this Messiah, this, this Savior into the world. And I think largely in the 21st century, that is lost upon us. Like what the great anticipation was, if you really think about it, I mean, you have men and who had, and women probably who had devoted their whole lives to studying the skies just for a sign that that this messiah, this savior would would be born and went through great time and travel and expense to uh, to be there, to, to experience this, and this great anticipation. Even as you look at kind of the shepherds uh, and their response to the angels and their, their announcement is it, they, they were overwhelmed by the scene, but they, they weren't surprised by the message that, that, that the Messiah had come. Why? Because they, they had been anticipating this. I think it's very difficult for us to understand and, and, and really appreciate what the world was like before the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, came and gave us the opportunity to be reunited with our Creator. It's just outside of our experience. And I guess the closest that we can come is, is really understanding what waiting for something is like we all wait for something right we, we've all waited for that right you know Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright. we've waited to get a letter or an email telling us we've been accepted into something we've anticipated holidays like Thanksgiving we've anticipated uh, paychecks right anticipated phone calls so we kind we understand in 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 some sense what it means to wait. I remember uh uh waiting for test results uh before uh Boo Bear was born. And uh this kind of uh they thought that there was something wrong with them um medically. <laughs> and uh uh and, you know, we went into genetic counseling and all this stuff. And, I mean, it's just like this, this, you know, being able to tap into this anticipation so we can have some kind of understanding what the story of God, you know, with humanity, what it must have been like to be waiting for this Messiah. And last week we, we started out with the story in Genesis in the Garden of Eden where all the anticipation started before the fall of man, that, that, that there was this intimate relationship between creation man and woman and their creator, that they would walk together, that they would talk together. And then there was this, this separation, this brokenness of the relationship. But even before the paragraph was over, the idea was was ended, God told them there will be one who will come to restore and give you the opportunity to bring this relationship back into its proper place. How I envisioned humanity and me to interact. So that was last week and this week we're continuing the story and from that all the world had gone into complete disarray and you know it's kind of this idea of pandora's box you know you kind of open up the lid just a little bit and 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 evil it permeated every aspect of life on the earth and we pick up in genesis chapter 6 you may want to turn there and Moses is writing, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. You ever feel that way? Just kidding. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, which I have never thought is a good Jewish name. And Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everything on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I am going to wipe them all out along with thee. Now, this is very kind of far from a lot of our understanding of what God is like in the New Testament. You know, it often humors me that wiping out the earth and all of its inhabitants is in our 21st or 20th and 21st century Sunday school, a favorite child children's story, you know? You think about it. I mean, this is probably one of the most horrific events in the story of God and man where god is like you know what we need to control out delete this thing we need a reboot we got to go a different direction and that's kind of where where we start this place where everything is just completely messed up corruption violence everywhere to such a point that God just says we got to start over and i think that there's no way that we can move forward without the power of God reaching into our lives and our hearts and our and our minds to help us wrestle and struggle with this to somehow see god's grace and his order in this so if you guys will pray with me we'll ask god for that dear god just uh as we talk about a difficult story today in the account of your interaction with your creation god i pray that we can see you That we can understand you better. That you will help us get beyond our preconceived notions of how things should be. And you will move us to where you want us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, at that point, God said to Noah... I want you to build this boat. And Noah starts working on this boat. Now, a lot of people think that Noah and his family actually worked on this boat for about a hundred to a hundred and twenty years. Every waking moment, all of their their resources went into building this boat. I mean, think about the faith of that. Spending really a majority or a big part of your life and your family's life and your resources and, and all of this building something that you have no idea what it's for. That you know that there's going to be destruction and, and all this kind of stuff. But nobody had ever seen a huge flood and, and nobody has ever seen like animals coming two by two and all of this kind of stuff. But Noah Obeyed, and Noah spent his time, along with his family, building this 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 ship, this boat that God had told them to build. And they went along, and they did it. And finally, they they get the animals in there, and and they close the doors, and the and the rain comes down, and then the boat starts to lift up, and they're in the storm. And they're, they're picked up from their home. And they're starting to be carried somewhere where they had no idea. They had never probably been that far. There was no way to know where they were being taken. All they were experiencing was being in this kind of sanctuary on the seas. They knew that everyone they knew and everything they loved and the life that they had always known was now gone. And that they were floating somewhere. And then one day the boat stops. And as the sea seas receded, they were sitting in this sanctuary that they had built. Yeah, under the instruction of God, but they were in their boat. And outside of the boat was a world that they had never experienced because it was completely different than what they had left, and they were in a completely different place than where they had always known. This boat had come to represent their security, their, their sanctuary, their control, their, their safety net their means of, of living it was everything and then in chapter 8 and verse 15 God said to Noah leave the boat leave the boat leave the boat the boat God that I've just spent the last hundred years building? Spent all my time and resources on building? The same boat that's just saved my life and my family's life? You want me to leave this boat and go out into what? This unknown? Like I think a lot of times we just kind of skip over that, like leave the boat. Well, yeah. It's like they got on Carnival Cruise Line, they're they're in the Bahamas, get off the boat, let's party, you know, right? No, this is his everything. His sanctuary, his control, his safety net, his salvation. His known world that everything has been sunken into. And God, quite flippantly, in my opinion, says leave the boat. And not just you, but y'all. That's the southern version. All of you. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. You know, I think about this in the, the idea of leaving the boat and how frightening it must have been but the truth is, is that that boat was never meant to be the place that he ended up it was a place that was good and useful for a time and it was ordained by that for that time but it outlived its purpose. God's purpose was not for and his family and some animals to live within the safety and the confines of the boat. But he had a different plan entirely. He goes on to say, release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Why? Why? So they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. What's God doing here? He's telling Noah that he is reestablishing an order, that he is reestablishing a purpose for every single living creature. And in order for them to fulfill that purpose, have to leave the safety and security of the boat. So in verse 18, Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives left the boat. And all of the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. I was reading that and kind of praying through that. You know, I know that they went in pair by pair, but kind of this, this this, visual of the humans leave and then you see these these animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals and all coming out pair by pair. What is God doing here? I think it's the, one of the world's greatest visual lessons. I think God is telling Noah, that, you know what? I am bringing order back into the world. And that I am a God of order. And that you can trust me. Then an interesting thing happens. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. You know, for us listening, are like, well, Noah built an altar to the Lord. Well, duh. Duh that's what biblical people did, right? If you're in the Bible, you build altars. I mean, it's just as simple as that, right? Not so simple, actually. Do you know that this is the first time that an altar is ever mentioned in Scripture? That Noah is leaving this place of control, this this place of known, his security, his sanctuary, and he goes out. And the first thing he does is express in an act of worship that had never been done before. So he piles up his dirt and his rock, and there he sacrificed as a burnt offering the animals and birds that have been approved for that purpose. This is kind of interesting if you really think about it. It's another one of those things that we could just very easily skip over. Well, yeah, Noah, biblical guy, building the biblical altar and doing the biblical sacrifices. But think about what is happening behind that sacrifice. Noah has just left his security, his his control, his sanctuary, everything that he has put his life into. And the first thing he does is build an altar and sacrifice what? His food. The things that he knows. His ability to make a living. You see, he's getting off the off the boat, and and he does not have any resources. Like, you know, we're in this recession, and you think, like, the yacht market has, has kind of dropped off, and, you know, well, think about then. I mean, there are no buyers for the ark. You know, there's there's no one who's going to come and give him money or cows or sheep or anything. There's nobody to barter with. There's no one that he can trade his boat-building skills with. What Noah has are some animals. And he leaves his security and he has no farm. He doesn't have a ranch. And he takes these animals and he offers them to an act of worship and what he's really saying here is God I believe God I believe that you are a God of order that you are a God that I can trust God I believe in you and your ability to take care of me more than what I can see and what I can hold on to in this present moment. that's really when we transfer money, when we go and buy something, we're actually making a statement of belief. That when I take my money and if I make a choice, if I choose to go see Harry Potter number seven, part one, it's not another one of those, is it? Oh, gosh, it's okay. I'm still like the whole Star Wars thing. One, six, four, I don't know. If you go to part one, Movie 7 of Harry Potter over... What's another movie out right now? Yeah, exactly, right? You know, uh, uh, Thelma and Louise Part 2. Well, I guess there can't be a Thelma and Louise Part 2. It's another one of those. It has to be a prequel. But if you haven't seen Thelma and Louise, I just totally ruined the ending for you. But, but by choosing to go Harry, Harry Potter... You're making a statement of belief that this is going to be a better movie, that this is going to be more entertaining. Or by just by going to a movie, you're thinking that you're going to be more entertained than going out to a bar or to a play or to a something else. That for me, I don't spend a lot of money on suits or ties or, or things like that. I do not have a closet full of penny loafers. But I, you know, and I think about that, and you know, you could go, and I could buy a pair of penny loafers for like $90, or I could buy a brand new pair of running shoes for $90. Now, I have a lot of running shoes. By me spending money on those running shoes, it's a, it's a statement of belief that I believe that those running shoes are going to benefit me and make my life better than the penny loafers. So what Noah is doing here is he's, he's making a statement of belief. He's saying, God, you know what? I believe more in you and your order and your, your uh, protection and control more than I believe that this these animals here are are going to fulfill my needs. I trust you more than I trust myself. The same is true when we give to an organization or we give to our church. That when we write our tie checks or our offerings and we give our first and our best, we're telling God, you know what, God? I trust that you are going to take care of me and my family. That it it is a statement of belief. Now, the interesting thing is, as you look at this word, and you can say, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in God's order. I believe that he's going to take care of me. Moses, Moses, Noah could have said, you know what? God, I believe that you're going to take care of me, but I'm not going to sacrifice my income, my food source to you. I'm just not going to do that. You know what? When our actions are different than our sacrifice, our belief is actually a statement of a lie. A statement is saying, you know what? I am lying to you, God, if I say I believe or or trust in you, that you are are the giver and sustainer of things, of the control that you will will take care of my family, that you will that I should trust you more than I trust myself but you hold on to your birds you hold on to your sacrifice because that statement of belief is actually a statement of belief in yourself and it is a lie to say that you believe in the sovereignty of God if you're not willing to trust him in that. So we have Noah here building the first altar, this first kind of symbol of worship, and he, and he puts his livelihood and his food and and his security that onto this altar and burns it up and, and gives it to God. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood, I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. God, once again, is communicating that he is a God of order. And Noah, even though that your whole world is in chaos right now, everything that you know has been taken away from you, that I have asked you to leave the boat and to put your, even more of your security and give it to me, that I want to let you know That I am a God of order. And never again will I destroy the planet by water. And I'm going to give you a visual reminder day after day, season after season. I want to promise you, as long as the earth remains, that there will be planting and harvesting. Noah, if you go and plant, you will harvest. Noah, you know what? If you're cold, you can know that there's also going to be heat. You know what, Noah? If you're hot in the summer and it's humid and it's nasty out, it's going to get cold and it's going to become winter again. That there's going to be a order put into motion by me. And every single day, there's going to be day and there is going to be To be night. You see, I think when we we look and we 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 take a step out and we try to understand why is this important? It is important to know that God is just not randomly making decisions on the fly. That as He calls us to leave the boat that there are promises that he has made that we can rest assured that even though our relationship has been severed with him that we at this point that they would know that someday that he would send a Messiah and a Savior that we know when he calls us out of our boat And we trust him with our first and our best. That, you know what, when we plant, we will harvest. That there will be cold and there will be heat. That there will be summer. There will be winter. And yes, even though the days are dark right now, tomorrow, there will be light. And so many of us, I think a lot of times that... We feel like Noah, and we're, we've put all our time and our energy in constructing a world, a world that is safe, a world that maybe was ordained for a time, a, a, a world that, that, that makes sense, that we, we know where the exits and the entrances are. We know where the bathroom is, and it's all good except for one thing, That's not God's vision for our lives. You see, boats can be great. Boats can protect you from a storm, keep you dry, get you from point A to point B, can even get you back again. But they are not the destination. The same is true with hospitals. Hospitals are absolutely important. But how many of us are dreaming of spending our rest of our lives in a hospital. Same is true with churches. That the ultimate goal of being a follower of Christ is not to end up in a local church and that's it. No, this is meant to be a place of encouragement and equipping to To move us to go out and be the tangible hand of Christ. To go out and be God's conduit of love and mercy to this lost and hurting and chaotic and wicked world. That all of these things... You know, it is wild and unpredictable out there. And and there's one more promise that God gives us, those of us who are followers of Christ. As we're walking out of the boat, this boat, your whatever kind of metaphorical boat may be right now that you've maybe constructed and it's safe, but it's just not where you're meant to spend the rest of your life. As we leave our boat, it can be unpredictable, scary, sometimes even erratic. But we're told by Paul in Romans 8, verse 28, that we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You know why this is such great news is something that we can hold on to as we leave the boat as we sacrifice our first and our best as we go out into an unknown world that we can know no matter what happens as dark or ugly as it can be or even great stuff that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that whatever we are experiencing, that God will cause it to work together for good because we love him and we have been called according to his purpose. And that should be emboldening and, and powerful and freeing as we step out into the unknown, into a brave new world, knowing that we serve a God of order. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, so many times it's so scary to leave the boat into a world that is completely unknown and foreign to us, where we feel like we don't have any control. And then you ask us to make statements of belief that continue to remind us that our faith is in you and not ourselves. God, let us be a people that holds on to your promise that all things work together for good. Because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.